Hey, I'm Alicia Bake. I'm Jen Greenfield. And I'm Jen Tifoni. VO Booth Besties listen to the questions you have. We find pros in the know to help you learn. And connect with our amazing VO community. Welcome, Welcome to, to VO, VO Booth, Booth Besties. Besties. Hey, 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 everyone. Welcome to VO Booth Besties. Like our intro said, we're here to help working voice actors get your most important questions answered by industry pros who know. Each week, we'll have a new topic and a guest speaker who is an expert on that topic. Speaking of which, we want to be sure you all are current on all the awesome speakers we have coming up and other exciting opportunities. So we are creating an email distro list. And if you want to get on that, just head over to boothbesties.com and shoot us a message with your email. A quick bit of housekeeping in order to stay on topic and get as many of your questions answered as we can. We're actually going to keep hand raising turned off. However, the chat will remain open, and this week, JT will be monitoring that. Now, without further ado, let's meet our guest. Over to you, AB. Thanks, NJ. This week, we're honored to interview Uncle Roy Yokelson. He's not my uncle in reality, but he feels like everybody's uncle. For everybody's over... uncle. Everybody's uncle. For over 40 years, he's been an Emmy Award-winning sound designer, recording engineer, producer, and director. Uncle Roy Yokelson has been helping the voiceover and music industries with education and technical support. If it has anything to do with audio, Antland Productions is the only company you'll ever need. Roy is a SAG-AFTRA-approved audiobook director and producer. Over to you, NJ. Welcome, Uncle Roy. How are you doing? Good. Happy Bagel Thursday. I love it. <laughs> love the bagels. Yeah, well, so. We are so, so excited to have you join us. And uh, everyone in the audience, start pinging your friends because this is going to be a fantastic <laughs> discussion. Yeah. So, Roy, in for our Thursday night um, clubhouses, it's often for newer voice actors, but we also cover fundamentals that even working voice actors might forget. So this is going to be, we'll cover kind of low to high. So let's get started. What makes a quality studio the quality studio uh the, the acoustics of the studio are the most important things there's two aspects there's soundproofing keeping outside noise out which is almost impossible to do and then there's sound treatment making the space sound good not reverberant i don't you know i don't want to hear the sound of your voice hitting the ceiling and coming back into the microphone, you know, or a big echoey space. It's got to be tight. It's got to be dead. That's okay. The most, the most important thing is, is the space. Then we can get into equipment and all that stuff, but uh, it's got to be quiet. It's got to be, it's got to sound good. So I love that. Like when we are really talking VO 101, you got to have the right space. You just, that's where we start. And I know, a, you know, you're, could be, you're reiterating could, that. Yeah. Could be, could be a closet, but a closet sounds like a box unless it's properly treated. Uh, a closet is good if when you close the door, it's really quiet in there, but you have to treat, if there's clothes in there, that's great. Clothes absorb sound. 
We don't want the sound bouncing. But look up, is the ceiling a hard surface? No, you have to cover it or you have to put a packing blanket over your head so that your voice hits the blanket, the sound doesn't go out, and whatever does go out won't come back in because the blanket will be there. That's excellent. Yeah, really thinking about corners, flat spaces, that's huge. So let me ask yeah, you this. Parallel, parallel, parallel hard surfaces. And, you know, if not a walk-in closet, then the next thing would be a PVC frame booth with packing blankets over it. And then the next thing would be uh, either something from vocal booth to go or a tri booth or something for travel. And then the next, next thing would be uh, bear cave silent booths would be my choice. And there's also studio bricks, which are pricier. And you, yep. and your building, your, the space has to be able to hold that amount of weight. So in an apartment, you have to get clearance from the board and all that kind of thing. So let's reverse engineer this a little bit. How about you tell us what doesn't work in spaces? Because gosh, how many DIY studios, although absolutely feasible, but are actually possibly working against you or just not working at all? Um, a lot of people use the basement thinking, well, it'll be quiet down there. Okay, but you've got your hot water heater and you've got uh, your furnace and your pipes for when somebody flushes a toilet uh, and maybe HVAC is down there. So the basement might be okay if you're actually putting a booth, having a booth built or bear cave booth. Uh, that That's okay to be in the basement then. Um and closets, some closets sound great, and some closets, and don't worry about the look of, you know, people when they're on Zoom, oh, I don't want people to see you, you know, and then they blur their background because their clothes are hanging there. That's what, that's what everybody's doing. That's what works. Whoops. What about the variations of foam? I know that's like a big thing. People run to the local um, you know, craft store and they're popping in some egg crates or yeah. buying foam. Talk to us about that. Yeah, either vocal booth to go or a place called the Foam Factory, two inch, three inch. I mean, you can't put what you look, you can do what you want, but one inch, I don't think cuts it. Your voice is kind of going to go through it and possibly bounce back a little bit. So two to three inches of foam everywhere. I don't think I don't think it could ever be that the space is too dead. Carpet on the floor, something on the ceiling, and also your desk should be covered whether it's with a towel or a blanket. And then you may even have to adjust the angle of your monitors cuz you're you know you're reading off your monitor and you're you're facing the monitor, so your voice is hitting the monitor and bouncing back. So you may have to play with that mic position. That is excellent advice. I appreciate that. Is there such a thing? I've heard a couple different engineers speak to this, and I would love your professional opinion. Is there such a thing as a broadcast quality studio? I mean, we throw that term around, like, everywhere. Is there such a thing? 
Well, if if I've set you up and given you approval, or if you sent your uh, sound file into uh, Wovo and had it evaluated, or I think the union is also evaluating, or if you have Source Connect, they they will kind of critique what does it sound like. Broadcast quality just means okay. Here's my file. Put it on the air. It's ready to go. Um, the way okay. I teach it. The, the way I teach it, there is, we're going to get into the, <laughs> should we be doing processing and all that stuff? So that's part of what makes it sound like broadcast quality, because if I'm producing a real radio spot, yes, there's going to be compression and there's going to be EQ and all those things. Um, so when you send in your auditions, I know I'm jumping to another topic sort of, but um, yeah, we want it to sound like, hey. That sounds like it could be on the air, just as it is. Okay. Okay, good. Well, I like that. Um, AB, you had a couple questions you wanted to share. You want to jump in? Yeah. I. One question that I get a lot from people that I would love for you to address is, can you tell anybody who is brand new in the room what a DAW is and what are the basic DAWs that we should be yep. considering? <laughs> So a DAW is, stands for Digital Audio Workstation, and I'm the king. I'm I'm the king of Adobe Audition, so that's what that's the DAW that I prefer. Uh, but Pro Tools is a DAW, Reaper is a DAW, uh, Studio One. Um, What's not a DAW is Audacity. Audacity is software that kind of simulates what a DAW would do, but uh, they, they all, you know, it really doesn't matter what you use to capture your recordings. A wave is a wave is a wave is a wave, and an MP3 is an MP3 is an MP3, as long as you got your settings right. So it really doesn't matter. You know, me recording in Adobe is not going to be any better quality people kind of poo-poo audacity because it's free and it's got some quirks yeah but you know what it sounds the same that is i think that's a really important thing to to highlight is that uh, audio is audio is audio i love it but we can really mess up our audio if we don't know what we're doing right yeah somebody just said oh their coach said oh uh i i suggest studio one and i had just set her up with adobe and she doesn't want to learn another thing um, you don't have to change. And, and that's another thing, peer pressure, which is one of my big pet peeves in our industry. You don't need pro tools. You don't need Adobe audition, but I think you do, um, whatever. And you don't need a Mac. If you're a Mac person, that's great. No problem. If you're a PC person, don't let anybody tell you, Oh, voiceover, you need a Mac. There's no such thing. That's right. It's I love to really jump on is. those peer Big Mac. No, not Big Mac. <laughs> wait, wait, hang on. I have to kiss Donna goodbye. Wait. Okay. <laughs> Bye, Donna. Oh, love. Oh, love. Bye, Donna. Bye. <laughs> okay, now that that's over. <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah. so it really doesn't matter. As long as you know awesome. how to use what you're using, you're gonna you can turn out good audio in any in any DAW. Yeah, I, I I forgot to mention Twisted Wave. That's that's also a good one. 
but Twisted Wave doesn't have multi-track, and Twisted Wave doesn't have none of the other DAWs or softwares have a process called Auto Heal, which is unique to Adobe Audition. After you run your plugins and get rid of your mouth clicks, whatever mouth click is left in the middle of a word where you would think, oh, I got to re-record that, there's a click in there. Um, Adobe Audition has a, a a tool in effect called Auto Heal, and you just highlight it, you press the button, and it's fixed. It's like magic. It is magic. It's wonderful. I love it. Um, yeah. I, that one is is a, a big go to for me, and I love having the button I can just tap. Um, yep. So, what are some things that people do that messes up their audio, like EQ or compression, <laughs> when they're messing around with things they don't know what they're doing? They hire somebody else other than me to set them up. <laughs> no, there's still, look, you know, if you hire me or George or Dan or Dan or Jordan, uh, chances are you're going to be okay. Um, what what do people do? They record wearing headphones. When you record, there's only three times in your life you should be wearing headphones. Um, directed session, obviously punch and roll, which we'll talk about in a little bit, and when you're cleaning up your audio to hear your mouth clicks, your plosives, all those things. You can't really tell on laptop speakers uh, about editing. So there's, so there's that. People are too close to the mic, and maybe they're, if they're wearing headphones, if the headphones are too loud, maybe they're, maybe they're holding back because they hear too loud in the headphones, or the headphones are too soft, and they're, what are you yelling at? Well, I couldn't hear myself in the headphones. You, so you, you talked louder because you couldn't hear yourself in the headphones? That's ridiculous. Um, you know, learn the basics of your interface, of your equipment. Here's the headphone jack. You can't hear it. Turn it up. <laughs> Don't talk louder. And people get into the mic and they're listening on headphones and they fall in love with their voice. You know, that's not what voiceover is about, you know. Um, and over-processing. Oh, doesn't it sound great when I put a hard limiter or they've got or they bought a... Uh, you know, a vocal strip that has a compressor and a noise gate and a deesser and all that. And if you don't know how to adjust those things, just plugging it in and going with the uh, settings that it come with, uh, it's going to sound terrible. Don't overprocess. Um, you're going to get clients who say, we only take a raw file. All right, after I train you, they're not going to exactly get a raw file. Um, I will tell you the minimum things you should do, even if they say raw file. You have to run a high-pass filter, which cuts out the low rumble in your noise floor. You have to at least normalize to minus three. Liz Atherton hit me up. She's doing auditions, and she has to listen to 200 auditions, and the volume of every audition was different. Some are too low. Some are too loud. Uh, so she's sending me people and it's like, okay, listen, normalize to minus three. And you got people normalizing to a hundred percent or minus one, just because yours is louder. Doesn't mean it's going to get more attention. It's going to get more negative attention. So if she heard a loud one that, that scared her, she didn't listen. Doesn't matter how good it was, but you know, if it was too soft, if she couldn't hear it, she didn't listen. So 
do the casting people and agents a favor and just at least, you know, uh, put a high pass filter on so that your noise floor isn't so crappy and, and normalize to minus three. There's more to it than that because normalizing to minus three, if you've got one laugh or one cough or one click in there that's loud, that's the only thing that'll normalize. And you kind of have to bring that peak down so that you, the rest of the file, the average of the file should be at minus three. Let's put it that way. Yeah. And I, everybody pay close attention to that. You're going to need that information later on. Mm-hmm. Normalize to minus three dB. Important, important information. It's industry standard, industry standard. Yep. And um, okay, so. Let me wait, but you know what? Let me backtrack one thing. Go yes, we're going to normalize to minus three, but let's start with good recording volume. Try yes. and record where your peaks are at minus three so that we don't have to rely so much on the normalizing, bringing up the gain. Now, bringing up or down the gain on your interface does not bring up or down the noise of your of your uh, room tone as people think, oh, well, if I bring up if I if I bring up the gain, so my voice is loud, but the, then the noise comes up. Well, it all comes up. It comes up by the same amount. So it's not that it's noisier by making it louder. It's the same amount of noise. If you take your your low recording and normalize it, that noise is going to be as loud as if you turned up your input gain on your uh, interface. Usually about 3 o'clock will do it. And and that. (laughs) And what I said. Yeah. Um, getting the good audio to start with is so key. What are some other little tricks to getting good audio? We've talked about making sure your space is, um, soundproofed a little bit. Can you talk about the difference between soundproofing and sound reduction a little, I'm not sorry, sound treatment a little bit? Yeah. So I I mentioned it before soundproofing, which is very hard to do is keeping out the sound, traffic from the street, the dogs are barking, the kids are running, uh, the neighbor's blasting a TV, there's a band downstairs in a bar. Okay, you can, it's hard to keep those sounds out of a homemade booth. You know, if you had a Studio Bricks or a Bear Cave Silent booth or anything double wall, then you got to be double wall because, yes, we want we have to try and keep the sound out sound treatment is okay i'm talking in a room but i want that room to sound good i don't want it to have you know uh, reflections i don't want to hear the sound bounce off the ceiling and the walls and the desk and the monitors you know we 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 said all that before yes exactly that's the difference that's the difference so we've got now we've got our soundproofing our sound treatment we've talked about um that what are some good microphone choices for somebody just starting out? And does it matter if it's right. an XLR or a USB? Yep. So first, let's talk about mic placement, and then we'll talk about mic choices. Uh, that microphone, some people think their job is to talk into a microphone, like they're on the radio or they're singing. That causes plosives and mic proximity and your S's will be crazy loud and all that. The microphone should be off to the side at a 45 degree angle towards your face. And then don't turn to the mic. Don't address the mic. Let the mic find you. 
and there'll be no plosives. It'll be great. My choices and every, you know, all the advice I'm giving you, including uh, equipment choices, every engineer, every every real engineer is going to give you a similar list, but you're going to get a lot of people, oh, this this, this is what I got. You know, I got a, a AT2020 USB mic because that's what I could afford. Okay, it's the cheapest mic around. Or they send me a sample and say, I hear a lot of hiss. Well, yeah, that's the mic self-noise. Well, somebody told me, uh, don't get a new mic until I book my first job and then take that money. And yeah, but you're not going to book that first job if you've got hissy, terrible audio. Um I'm not a big fan of USB mics, uh, except maybe the Apogee, like for travel. Apogee mic would be okay. I For a starter mic, I like the Rode NT1, and everybody is saying in their head, not the NT1A, not the 1A. That's a bad choice. Uh, the 1A is just very bright and sibilant. And usually when I hear uh, that microphone, I can guess that that that's the mic. So no AT1, uh, no NT1A, just the Rode NT1. It's $260. It's not going to kill you. Interfaces. I'm not a giant fan of Focusrite anymore because uh, on a Windows machine, when uh, Microsoft doesn't update, sometimes the drivers become corrupt. And you can always go to the Yamaha website and download new drivers, and you'll be back in business. I like the Steinberg UR12, which is kind of equal to the Scarlet Solo. I like the SSL2. And then I'll get back to microphones. Um, all right, so Road uh, NT1. I like the CAD, CAD. Uh, E100SX is the new. I haven't tried the SX. I have the E100S. It's kind of a different looking mic. Um, the peer pressure and the industry and 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 certain clients will say, "Well, you need a Sennheiser 416, which is a shotgun mic." Um, I don't I don't like shotgun mics on long format because it's like Joe Cipriano yelling at me for an hour and and that's too much. It, it, the 416 is known as an in your face mic. So yeah, be in my face for a commercial, for gaming, animation, promo, that's all in your face stuff. That's beautiful. Um, long format e-learning and audiobooks, not my favorite choice. Now some people can make it work. Mark Scott uses his 416, especially uh, when he's on the road, not to be confused with (laughs) R-O-D-E, travel mic. Um, And and it sounds fine because he knows how to work it. He doesn't get too close to it and into it and talk into it. That's what really makes it sound even harsher than it is. Uh, All your consonants are harsh and the S's are loud. Who wants that? That means we got to clean it up even more. But it, it has its it has its purpose, you know. And there are cheaper versions of the 416. Sennheiser makes a, a cheaper shotgun mic that is okay. Also, nobody's saying to run out and spend a thousand dollars. Your first mic should not cost you. It should be under three hundred, I think. 
and then an interface. The interface, the Steinberg is, I think, 115. The SSL might be a bit more, two, two and change, I think. Um, and then we get into the, so in the similar price range to the 416, 416 is 1,000. The Neumann 102, not the 103, I'll tell you mm-hmm. what not to buy. Save your money. I say with the money we save by not buying a 103, if we buy a 102, we have money to take J. Michael out for lobsters. So I'll go with that. Um, I like the 102. It's like a baby 87. The the, the Cadillac or, or the Mercedes-Benz is, is the uh, Neumann U87. If you've got $3,200 or $3,500 to invest, it's the only... It, once you get that mic, you won't need another mic for 20 to 30 years. It'll be great on every genre. The 102 is great on every any genre as well. Uh, you don't, you know, well, I have to change mics for because I'm doing gaming now. Well, it's fine. The 102 is fine on everything. It's a good, and even the NT1, you know, somebody just sent in an audition to me, and he's in his slate where they must have said, uh, tell us what, what microphone you're on. He said, Rode NT1. Are you hearing with your ears? Are you hearing with your eyes or peer, peer pressure? Does it sound good? You know, I don't like the 103 because besides the fact that it's 1300, um, I find it dark and sibilant. If the 103 is working for you, that's great. I don't, it's not my first choice. I agree. I had a I had a 103. It did not did not love it. Did not love it. Yeah. Um. All right. So the gist of that is that there's no perfect mic, huh? It's really well. 87 would be perfect. 87 would be perfect, but it's not affordable. (laughs) You. I mean, you should. Everybody. You know. Look any. Dream big and uh, look on marketplace. Look on uh, Vintage King and look on Reverb. If you can find a gently used 87 or 102, uh, I bought, I, <laughs> very interesting, I went on Facebook Marketplace and I found a studio going out of business, not, uh, I'm sorry, downsizing, uh, but it was like a hip hop, a, a rap studio. Let's face it, a rap studio doesn't need an 87. So, um, I could sell it tomorrow for thirty five hundred. I bought it for two grand. If you can find an eighty seven for two grand or less, jump on. I, I mean, if if you're thinking about an an investment in your business, these are business expenses. You can write them off, and you can also put on your website. I've got a Neumann. You know, you can't put on there. I have an AT twenty twenty. Nobody's going <laughs> to take you seriously. You know, or USB, uh, you know, the Rode USB mic or, you know, with with everybody getting into podcasting now. So there's all this dynamic mics and there's USB mics. Uh, those are fine for a podcast that we don't care if the podcast is broadcast quality. They're just listening on the laptop or, you know, in the car. It doesn't have to be broadcast. So let me know if I. Let me know if I didn't answer any questions. No, that's I tend great. To, that's great. I, tend we, to I, did, I did see a question um, specifically regarding this that I think it's better to address now. Someone said, what do you think is a good mic for audiobooks? Is there, because you said, you know, long form. So if, let's say for mm-hmm. beginners, they're not going to jump to that 102. No, maybe. 
No, get the yeah. So then, fine. The get get the road NT one. That's going to be fine for audiobooks. It's okay. you know, it's it's bright enough. It's robust enough. You know, it should sound full. Um, and then hire me to set you up. Um, it's fine. No, that's a good entry level. Say like entry level, but not to be. Uh, embarrassed entry level. It's a good respect, you know, respected. Everybody knows about the Rode NT1. Mm-hmm. That's, I still have mine. I, it's my first mic and I still have it because it's a great I, mic. Yeah, I bought it. I bought a used one. And so I have, I mean, I have a lot of mics because when I produce demos, I like to change mics with every script. And I also produce music and different mics for different, you know, different instruments. Um, MXL nine nine MXL nine ninety is just for fun because it's so cheap. You know, get one of those and and listen to yourself on that. I mean, if you have a little extra money, I wouldn't say necessarily for audiobooks, but it sounds uh, for a cheap mic. And I bought mine for fifty bucks. <laughs> it was one of those uh, uh, stupid deal of the day on on musicians uh, friend or or guitar center or something. Um, and they go on sale and it's, it's a pretty cool mic for the money. Um, I'm not saying go get your broadcast quality with that mic, but if you want to have more than one mic, uh, get the road NT one and maybe MXL 990. If it's, if you can find it for 75 bucks or something and play with it, you'll have fun with it. Sounds awesome. Um, I think we are ready for a room reset. NJ, do you want to reset the room for us? Yeah, let's do oh, that. No. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what happens? What's what happens next? now on reset? <laughs> exactly. Shit. Well, so we've hit the half hour. We'll just do a quick room reset. If you've just joined us, we are VO Booth Besties. Our goal is to help working voice actors get the answers to your questions from working pros who know. Tonight, we're joined by the infamous. Infamous, infamous, <laughs> from Antland Productions, and we're discussing what sound engineers wish voice talent knew. But before we get back to it, um, we've got an exciting opportunity coming up for voice actors in our community, and it's called an audition submission workshop. And we mentioned this last week. Uh, and JT, would you like to tell us about that? I would love to. Thank you very much. Um, so I hope you were all paying attention to Liz Atherton last week because VOBB is collaborating with Cast Voices to offer an opportunity to give us your best second chance at a first impression. Tomorrow, we're going to post an unpaid audition in Cast Voices, and you'll have until noon on Tuesday, noon Eastern, uh, next Tuesday to get those auditions in. And then next Thursday, Liz will be back to listen to some of the submissions and give live feedback. Um, if you don't have a Cast Voices account, you can create a free account and take part in the challenge. If you have questions about doing this, you can reach out to NJ because she does work directly with Cast Voices and she can give you some tips on setting up your profile. So now we're on to some questions from the chat. And I've, <laughs> hey, I've got hey, two before, pages. Before, before, before that happens, so remember, if you're, if you're going to submit to Liz, uh, remember to at least normalize to minus three. And if you don't know how to do that, reach out to me and I will show you how to do that. 
Um, my shameful email is antlandprods at AOL.com. Shamefully not sorry. Uh, <laughs> this way, Liz will at least listen and not throw it away. And one last thing from me, you've got five opportunities to see me this year. VO Atlanta, WovoCon, One Voice Dallas, Mavo, and the VOBBQ 18 at my house. I know Jen will be there. Better believe will you, it. Will Will you? Jen, you're going to sing again this year, right? Absolutely. If Jen's going somewhere, she's singing. Yeah. Well, yeah, that too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, on to your questions. Okay. So, um, going back to uh, kind of the beginning of our, our night with booths, um, Jim Franks asked, is there an ideal geometric shape for a booth? Well, I think uh, there are booths called the Diamond Series, and they have like kind of diamond shape and pentagon shape. Ideally, and and uh, Laura Doman has an oval-shaped uh, walk-in closet that I had never seen, and that really sounded good. Yeah, yeah a square is not ideal, but if you're going to put in foam and and you know absorbing material so square and rectangle yes are not the best uh, parallel hard surfaces are not the best but if if they're if they're treated if you got two or three inch foam on there it probably really doesn't matter the the shape if you can find a, a pentagon go or have one built build a pentagon awesome so um kind of coming off of that Jim Frank, not to be confused with Jim oh, Frank. Oh, I know Jim Frank. Okay. So Jim has a five by 10 walk-in closet that he is soundproofing with quiet rock. I have rock wool in my booth, whisper mm-hmm. room, and I still put rock wool in it. Um, he doesn't want to hang blankets or do eight two by four acoustic panels. Your thoughts on some soundproofing for him? Sound treatment. Sound treatment. Yeah. <sighs> troublemaker jim's a troublemaker um i have i have rlx which is two inch foam that kind of looks like egg crates um and then i put packing blanket on top of that uh well try it without the packing blanket if you if the foam is enough send me you know jim send me a sample and if you need packing blankets too bad uh uh as as thick a foam as you can afford and you know, if you want to go three inch and not put blankets up, that'll be that'll be cool. Or or you know what? If you've got an old quilt from your grandmother and you want to put that up, that would be that'd be really cool. Absolutely. Um another JC, question. Real quick, did you see yes. so he actually wants to do two by four panels. I think there was just a little mistype. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I don't think it was on you, but I will jump in. I think if any of you follow me on social media, I actually built out my um, main closet space and I built my own uh, two by four panels. One of the things that I learned, and you can probably mm-hmm. speak to this, Uncle Roy, is that initially, shame on me, I, <laughs> I, I got the rock wool, I built out all the frames. And in my mind, I was like, oh, I should put really fuzzy material, really fuzzy fabric over this. 
to but absorb. Then I, start, I know. So that was, so again, you guys all get to learn from my mistakes. I, then I realized that actually the sound will bounce. It won't, the, the, I'm working against the rock wall. I'm not allowing it to do its job. And so I actually ripped it all off and just put a, just a standard quilting cotton over it so that the sound gets absorbed. Do you want to speak to that, Roy? Uh, in the studio, we used to put uh, burlap, you know, we, uh, we actually used to just put fiberglass with burlap. Uh, the music studio is different because having the room a little bit live is actually a good thing. And if your room is a tiny bit live, but it sounds good, like I used to record in my rec room because I like the way the room sounds. It's not dead. It's not, you know, it's quiet, but it's not dead. Um, so uh, add treatment, you know, does everybody need a bass trap? Not necessarily, you know, record some, send it to me or listen back. As long as it's not boomy, as long as it's not echoey, then, then it's enough. Okay, great. Back to you, JT. Thank you. Um, Jane Beverly asked, what do you think about soundproof treated window inserts? She's seen yes. a couple companies that say they offer 75 to 95% reduction of outside noise. Does it work? Yeah, Jane needs it. <laughs> um, it does work. Um, they're probably, they're, I can't, I don't know the exact price. It's probably not cheap. If you're in a house and you can swap out your windows for windows that that by by their design uh, don't transmit sound as as much, uh, that would probably be first choice. The window inserts. The company is called Indo, Indo Window. So Indo without the W, um, and they they do work uh, when you're. When you're in your space and you're looking at the window, as long as you're facing the window so the back of the mic is facing the window, you'll get the most rejection of any sound coming through the window. That's just another good tip about that. But couldn't you just stick, couldn't you just cut a piece of rock wool and just stick it in there? Am I, am I oversimplifying this? It's not going to look as pretty and you're not going to be able to look out the window. Well, Uncle Roy told These me it doesn't clean. matter what my space looks like. <laughs> <laughs> Why? You don't want it to be pretty? Somebody said, I said, do you, do you have a, a, a area rug in your booth? Uh, on the, or is it a hardwood floor? No, it's no, I see the floor. I, she said, well, what kind of rug should I get? I said, a pretty, a pretty one. You know, just <laughs> don't you want <laughs> it, it doesn't matter, but don't you want it to look nice? You know, don't you want it to look pretty? Don't you want to get in that space and go, yeah, this is where I built. This is my space. I fixed it up. You're going to put up your your LED lights and everything. And and you want to feel good walking into that space. But, yep. but so anyway, getting back to your thing. Um yeah, that you can make you can make inserts and that you could put in and take out. Uh, that would work. That would work too. But the ones that she's talking about, I believe, they're clear, and they just go over the window and they reduce by a whole bunch. Nice. I know pre booth, I had um, I taken because I'm in a in a basement. I've got 
the long skinny windows. So I took pillowcases right. and put rock wool in them. And then I could just take them in and out of the window. That works. It, yeah, it fit and it worked. And, you know, I've got retired people in my neighborhood. So there's a lot of mowing going on here all summer <laughs> long. <laughs> um, Max Goldberg asked, besides the obvious none, what is an acceptable noise floor? All right, but, uh, you know, ACX and all the publishers say uh, has to be less than minus 60. Now, that doesn't mean when you open your microphone and you're looking at the, the, the meter kicking, you know, if you're up at minus 48, it's okay because we're going to put the high-pass filter on before we send it out anyway. If you're in a... Uh, if you're in a studio bricks, your yeah, your noise floor is going to be really low. Or if you you, know, you have a well built, somebody did a homemade uh, booth and they did it right with rock wool and everything. Um, I shoot uh, with, after noise reduction, after high pass filter and noise reduction. I shoot for minus seventy. That's a really good. But anything less than minus sixty is acceptable. And 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 listen though, listen to it. Can you hear a hum, a buzz? Oops, the the laptop fan is on. You know, if the laptop fan is what's your noise floor, you better put that computer outside the booth because the, the you know fan noise is not acceptable. Yep, absolutely. Um, all right. Less than minus yeah. sixty is the short answer. Okay. And, you know, and maybe it's just the way that my, my version of audition is set up. Mine only goes like my, it only shows up to minus 65. So right, right. Click on that meter and change it to, you know, minus 87 or whatever, whatever the two, two above where you're at Okay. on audition. Oh, you, wait a minute. That means I didn't set you up. No. No, I haven't done that yet. Yeah, keep telling her. I keep telling but, her. But that's so everybody. If you have Adobe Audition and you haven't worked with me yet, if you have, then your meter is correct. If your meter only goes same thing with Audacity, that you can change that meter in Audacity. But I'm not telling you where it is. <laughs> you have to hire me. <laughs> um, but if you right click on the the green meter at the bottom. And just change it to minus, uh, you know, 90 or whatever the higher one is. Then you'll be able to see exactly okay. what you're talking about. Yeah, I'm I'm apparently working a lot harder than I need to be. I, I will be contacting you. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, my yeah. workflow, work, work smarter and uh, faster. And, you know, I tell you what not get a lot of people who are OCD and they're crawling through looking in the spectral view. They're looking for little anomalies. I got to fix probably this should. But I pro first of all, can you hear it? If you can't hear it, don't go fixing it. Uh, and second of all, your client is not opening up your audition or your file in Adobe looking at spectral view saying, uh oh, she left the click. If you you know, look, if you leave a mouth click in, you're not you're not gonna lose an audition because you left in a click. <laughs> so don't get crazy. Yeah, I'm OCD, but I'm not it's that too late. 
As I'm um, teaching it, and I can tell who it is, you know, as I'm teaching it, I said, now, promise me you're not going to do it. And they start laughing because they are going to do it. <laughs> it I said, you, look, you're wasting time. That's, yes, oh, look how pretty it is. You put silence everywhere. Who cares? All right, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Terry Briscoe asked, what do you think about the Apollo Solo interface? <laughs> Terry's another troublemaker, um, <laughs> but but I love him. It's okay. Um, it's fine. I mean, I don't know the price point. It's fine. You don't need a fancy. Not everybody needs an Apollo twin. Not everybody needs a universal audio. Not everybody needs Personas. If that's what you want, and that's they're all they all pass sound the same way. You know, some have extra bells and whistles that you probably don't need. Um, sometimes the interface, the the actual on-screen interface, sometimes gets a little confusing. Uh, on the personas, there's a button that says ten, and normally when there's a button that you push that says ten, normally it knocks the volume down by ten dB. No, this one raises it by ten dB. So there's some confusion as to how they have it labeled and laid out. Um, all the interfaces, just like a wave is a wave is a wave. There's not a big difference. Some of the features, like okay, I, I upgraded to the SSL because I think the Headphone amp is more robust, and the mic pre's are a little quieter. And um, there's nothing wrong with the Apollo Twin if that's what you want. Plus, you can put that you put that on your website. Look, I've got a, I've got a, a Neumann, and I've got a, or uh, he's got the he's got the uh, the cheaper version of the 416. Um, yeah, so you say I got a Sennheiser mic, I got a Neumann mic, and I got an Apollo Twin. Yeah, you're gonna look like a pro. All right. Well, that actually was a perfect lead in to Ebony Watts' question. Um, how do you feel about the Rode NTG3 versus a 416? I would have to do, you know, go go on YouTube and, and look up the, the Booth Junkie. Mm -hmm. Booth, right? Isn't that? Um, yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, and see if he did a shout out, uh, a, a, a shootout between a 416 and the NTG. Because there's a couple of uh, Rode NTGs that are shotguns, and the Sennheiser also makes some other shotguns. You would really have to listen to a, a, a shootout okay. to see and compare. And then, of course, your voice in your space could be different. But, you know, let the booth junkie, he's, he's a good guy. Uh, I would listen to his advice. Uh, but, of course, uh, not spending $1,000 is a good idea. <laughs> As, right. Look, if you're just starting out, you don't need a 416. Or people, oh, I bought a, I bought a whisper room and, a, and I got a 416. And, and you haven't taken any coaching yet. How do you even know if you can do this? Right. Got to start with coaching first. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, all right. Another question. Um, Casey Clack said she bought a CAD Tryon 8000. And it's got some settings on there she's just not sure about. Is it worth trying to figure it out, or should she sell it and put that towards something else? Uh, I guess I, I, let me let me let me Google it and find out what she paid and what those switches do, and then I could properly answer it. I'm not that familiar with it. Okay. I only 
I only have the Caddy 100S. But here, let me go on Google and see what we got. And you could squeeze in another one while I'm looking. So wait a minute. It's, which one is it? The Cad? Tryon 8000. Cad Tryon. Let's try it on. Cad <laughs> Tryon 8000. Was it the 8000? 8, All right, six hundred dollars. Let's see what the switches are. Six thousand, right, right, right. Eight thousand. Click to enlarge. Yes, let's see it big. Trying to see what those uh, switches might do. Usually, with the microphones that do have switches, um, one of the switches is a high pass filter built in uh so you could try try it with and without uh if there's two settings on there like 75 and 150 try the 75 setting uh and then that's the same as running a high pass filter in post uh the other switch might be a a, a pad which would lower the volume by 10 db or 15 so that if you're recording a normal and then you've got to do some screaming for gaming and whatever if you flip the switch it won't overload it won't max out and overload your mic preamp or your recording and the other other switch i'm still looking i'm still looking for a picture the other switch might be the actual polar pattern meaning yeah um yeah this looks like maybe it's got a figure eight and all those things um so cardioid heart shape is is the normal pattern of, of all the so yeah this one has a three-way pattern switch you don't do you need it no you don't you don't need it but you know you could uh cardioid is mostly what we want and then there's also omni meaning if you put it in the middle of a string quartet it would pick up everybody equally and the other is figure eight meaning if you have two people on either side of the mic uh it it would pick them both up uh and some people run a figure eight in the booth where the the you know the the back of the mic is is facing their sound treatment and some people like the sound of it using figure eight i mean experiment with it and if if it's not if you can't tell the difference or it's not doing anything there then get rid of it yeah and i mean the tube mic it's great for some vocal tones, but it's not great for everybody. So you really have to right. try that out and see how you feel right, about that's the other, with your voice. You're, you're right. That that also has a tube in there, and that's supposed to be for warmth. You know, a warm, a warmer sound. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> right. I don't think. I don't think when Gilbert Gottfried was alive, I don't think <laughs> a tube mic was would do anything to his voice. You know. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, it, it doesn't work for everybody. I personally like a, a tube mic with, with my voice, yeah. but um, most of the time I just use a 416 because it's it's easier than trying to remember if somebody comes back for a pickup. What mic was I using that day? Right. <laughs> Which is a lead into our next question. So if you are the person who likes to, you know, have a full locker of mics and use different mics for different things, how much do you need to change your rack when you change your mic? 
I've set up people with two two sets, like they've got a the one hundred two and the four sixteen, and I set up two. It's just different EQ and different amounts of DSing. Everything else is probably about the same. The mouth clicks are going to be the same. The high pass filter is going to be the same. Uh, different EQ setting because if if the four sixteen is too bright or too harsh, then I'm going to try and even that out with EQ and a certain amount of DSing. Like if you've got you know RX ten for those of you, uh, and very sadly. RX-10 is no longer on sale. They took it away, and it's back to full price. So if you didn't jump on Isotope and buy that RX-10, <laughs> I feel sorry for you. <laughs> um, but uh, So anyway, um, different amounts of DSing and EQ. I think that's that's the only – so yes, yes, two different setups. All right, and then same for – you know, if you're not the only person in your house who's doing voiceover, you know, some of us have kids <laughs> doing voiceover, mm -hmm. different rack for everybody. Well, I mean, if they're using the same mic, chances are, I mean, there's a big difference between a kid, you know, doing their read and, and Dave and I do it, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, the, yes, there's going to be a difference, but I, I have a different, I have a different high pass setting, one that's for, men that doesn't take out quite as much lows and then i've got but the other setting is called women and children first and that <laughs> takes because you guys you know women and children don't have a lot of big deep low ends so you can you can filter out more uh from from your uh room tone okay and hey now some of us have a nice rich voice <laughs> yes some of us are so in love yeah. All right. So we are just about at the top of the hour. If anybody has any other questions, throw them in the chat More. really quickly. More. Who's going to be Atlanta? Yay! <laughs> <laughs> We're all going, Very right? Dave Fenoy impression. Um, well, <laughs> the, the booth besties are going. We're, I hope um, so. Are yeah, you going to have a booth? Are you going to have a table, like an exhibitor table for booth besties? They won't we, give us a table. They won't give us a table. We have a banner, but we'll That's have stuff. swag. We'll have swag. We'll, we'll we will be carrying there. our swag with us for everybody to come find us and get their fun stuff. I just thought of a great swag for J. Michael, but I'm not going to tell you in case he thinks it's a good idea and goes for it. But <laughs> I'm not telling you. But I know he'll be wearing his, his lobster socks that I bought him. So that's good. Nice. Well, yeah. I know you've got kind of a, a hard stop in an hour. So we'll tie this up. This has been incredible. I know. We had six minutes to go. Don't well, leave me now. We got a few more things for fun to ask you. So, okay. Um, yeah. One of the things we do with our guests is we do three for fun questions, kind of James Lipton style. So okay. the first one is, what singer, band, or composer are you enjoying right now? Oh, I'm I'm swamped with, uh, you know, I, I got a, a new used car uh, two months ago, and so they give you, you know, free Sirius for a while. And the Beatles channel has been on. And I love the Beatles, but I, I can see that there's a lot of samey. How many times can I listen to the breakfast with the Beatles? But what's cool about, you know, they went in there with forensic software and they extracted all the, the parts and remix. And 
I'm not a big fan of the remixes. It's like, I think George Martin and Jeff Emmerich got it right the first time. We don't need to, to go crazy. Anyway, so uh, Beatles, uh, Broadway show tunes, and Frank Zappa. Those are my answers. Go ahead. You said you said Broadway, so we're good. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, do you listen to any podcasts? I listen to, well, I produce uh, Squa- the Live with Squacky podcast, Val Kelly's podcast. So I have oh, to yeah. listen to that. And I listen to it too many times because I have to, because I'm editing. Um, I listen to Mark Scott's podcast. Can't okay. go wrong with that. Yep. Right. Um, and what is your favorite dessert, Uncle Roy? Oh, God. And you can't say That's bagels. A- <laughs> no, bagels are not dessert. Let's see. What would be a what is a good dessert? I mean, I like fruit salad. That's uh healthy. Um I, I like pie uh, was appealing. Yeah. Um <laughs> uh I like lac- lactose free <laughs> ice cream. <laughs> I'm lactose intolerant, so there's only certain I can't have cheesecake, I can't have, you know, whipped cream. Although you know what? I found some whipped cream. Ready Whip makes made with coconut milk whipped cream. That's nice. really good. Bonnie Burton says you like her apple pie. I yeah, uh, yeah. So depending on what you're bringing to the VOBBQ, because everybody has to bring food. Uh, oh, the magic brownies went pretty far too. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'll, I'll I'll finish with this little story. So we were inside singing, and I was doing my tevya, and I and I look in the doorway, and Donna's standing here looking at me lovingly, and I walked over to her and I said, "Are you enjoying my acting?" And she said, "No, I ate too many magic brownies." She <laughs> <laughs> was, was buzzed for two days. <laughs> Oh my gosh. You know what? Let's, why don't you tell everybody real quick? Cause we're really almost done. Tell them about your barbecue. Cause I bet there's a lot of people down below who don't know about it. All right. So everybody, you're all invited to my house. Get your calendar out September 30th and October 1st. It's two days of nonstop live music and eating and Jen singing. <laughs> and when it gets too loud and too late, parentheses and sometimes too cold we come inside saturday uh saturday night and we sing broadway show tunes till midnight and usually uh usually um by three o'clock i tell everybody to go back to the hotel i get i get a block of discount rooms at the local la quinta and i had 150 people here last year i had no canadians because unfortunately it was on canadian thanksgiving weekend but this year I am happy to say that Deb Monroe and her husband and Ellie Ray and Kim Handysides and Emma O'Neill, everybody's going to be here, all my Canadian friends. And just, you know, if we can't have fun, what's the point, right? Come on over exactly. and let's, let's have barbecue. Yeah. And Mark and Scott's. Go ahead and- go ahead. Mark Scott says he's, he's coming down to do some briskets. Uh, we'll see. Okay. I'm in. <laughs> submit your submit your song request early, folks. We'll, <laughs> we'll try to the, get them in. Right, the VOBBQ band will be, and and you know the band is just a bunch of voiceover people who happen to play, you know, guitar, drums, bass, whatever, keyboards. Sounds like so much fun. Well, I'm gonna tie it all up if that's okay with everybody. 
Yeah. Go for it. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Uncle Roy, so much. There were multiple people commenting in the chat and telling you how much they appreciate you being here. So we just wanted to pass that on. And thank you to everybody in the audience. We love that you guys join us every week. And I love seeing some of the same people and some new people this week. Um, We want to remind you that we've grown to two nights a week. So you can join us on Mondays and Thursdays, same time, same place. And in case you weren't with us at a half hour ago, we want to make sure you don't miss this. We've teamed up with Liz Atherton and Cast Voices, and we're challenging you to give us your best second chance at a first impression. Tomorrow, we're going to post an unpaid audition in Cast Voices, and you'll have until Tuesday at noon Eastern Standard Time to get the auditions in. If you don't have an account on Cast Voices, you can start a free account to take part in the challenge, and um, we will be selecting some to play for our uh, clubhouse next Thursday. So, Absolutely. So I hope you were paying attention to everything Uncle Roy said about your sound tonight, because we expect you to apply some of that. And um, we want you to pay attention to the specs, the naming conventions, because those things count. And then you can join us next Thursday when Liz comes back to listen to the submissions, give live feedback, um, there will be feedback also in cast voices um, for everybody, everybody who uh, takes part. Um, and if you weren't with us last Thursday with Liz and you're not sure what we're talking about when we say second chance at a first impression, go back to last week's podcast on boothbesties.com and take a listen to what we're talking about. So, you know. Um, It's just for fun, but I think we're all going to learn a lot from it. Um, Monday, we will be back with Dan Friedman, who is going to take this to uh, another level with our sound and EQ and things like that. Be sure to connect with each of us on LinkedIn and follow BOBB on Facebook. If you want to hear a replay of tonight's episode or any previous discussion, you can listen to our podcast on boothbesties.com or any place that you listen to your podcasts. So thank you all for being here and good night. Good night. Good night. Minus good night, three, night. minus three. Minus three. three. <laughs> and, Marcus, and, and Terry brings up a good point. Marcus script, damn it. Thank you. Yes. Uh, Bye, everybody. Good Bye. night. Good night. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to another episode of VO Booth Besties. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast. Well, pretty much anywhere they're playing podcasts. And follow us on Instagram and Facebook so we can keep the conversation going. VO Booth Besties. Yeah, it's a thing. thing.